What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of A Change in Attitude. I am your host this week, Ori the Draw. And of course, coming along with me as they do every week is our wonderful Lord Mags. How are you today, sir? I am doing quite well, Mom. Well, thank you. I am doing quite well, thank you. And also along with us is the newest member of the show, Scottish Juggalo Danny. How are you today, sir? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. And making his triumphant return to a change in attitude, the Texas gentleman himself, Tanner. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come Howdy, right in like uh, Adam Page. <laughs> I'm back. Thank you for having me back. I, I love how I give you this like big, boisterous reintroduction, and you're just like, "Hey, I'm back." Hey, how's it going? <laughs> We've missed you, Tanner. How have you I, been? I, I have missed you guys. I, I really, really have, and and y'all have have just been flourishing in my absence, and I, I can't I can't believe I was granted the opportunity to come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course we would have you back. Good grief. Good grief! Well, it, well it's, it's wonderful seeing all of y'all again, and 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 to finally meet Danny, who who's who's been amazing. Thank yes. you. So, yeah, so he, he's done a great job actually stepping into in in into your very big shoes to fill. Uh, and his very big actually, boots. My, my my clown shoes, yeah. Your, your huge, <laughs> your huge juggling clown shoes. No, but um, it's cool that. Uh, that he's he's added a new kind of facet to to the group, and the fact that we're all here to, together, I think it's going to really tip uh, changing attitude over over the edge and uh, and become more wacky than than it's been over the the, the last few weeks. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you all here. Uh, it's going to be some fun times. Absolutely, indeed. So this week's episode, the final episode of 1996, the December 30th episode, if you're watching on the Peacock, that is season four, episode 51. We Yes, yes, indeed. It, it is 2022, dear heart. I'm sorry, my husband has enjoyed That is staying in. <laughs> of course it's staying in. That's staying in. It's still 2022. We are watching. Request a Dr. Pepper. No, I am not requesting a Dr. Pepper. Can, no, can I don't need any me? Dr. Pepper. I've got a small cup. That's all I need tonight. No, I, I think we're out. I think oh. we're actually, oh, God, what is he going to go get? 
Brilliant. Mm. Bring alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, it is currently 2022, but we are currently watching the episode from December 30th, 1996. This show opens with a quick video package recapping the issues going on between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And we get some small micro interviews uh, from Bret first saying that Bret doesn't need excuses He's going to take care of things. Shawn Michaels, which I found interesting, says something to the effect of watch what happens when the role model comes face to face with the WWF's favorite degenerate, which was not the only time that word was dropped in this episode. So we are gearing towards the degeneration X age or Mm. the formation rather. From there, we go straight into the opening match, which I thought was an interesting kind of um, make. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought it was an interesting kind of no, earthquake no, as well. No, stop. What the? <laughs> no. <laughs> I have been brought an entire two liter of Sprite. God, you're hitting my mic. A two liter, two two liters of Sprite. Tanner's looking for bottle some of blue cherry bay <laughs> coconut rum and a solo cup. I don't know if Sprite goes with blue cherry bay. I mean, sure you never can. know until you try. You, you can you can definitely make it work. Jeez, oh, but should I? I mean, it's it's goodness, Ori. It's it's only almost one. <laughs> Is it? It's no. Drinking hour. Yeah. Oh, fine. I'm probably going to have a few at Top Golf anyway. All right. So we start off with a very interesting, yeah, interesting tag team matchup here between Farouk and, of course, on the outside, the Nation of Domination and Stone Cold Steve Austin versus what starts out as Jesse James and Sabio Vega. Okay, mm. mm-hmm. uh, said, don't Jesus. Good. Happy New Year. Jesus. Yes, Ooh, I've been brought. Now I've been brought a Pinot Grigio champagne, as well as a bottle of peach New Amsterdam vodka. See, that would work well with your sprite. <laughs> I, um, okay. Moving on. <laughs> I don't know how to process any of this right now. Um. Yeah, th- thoughts on the... I'm going to start with Mags because I, this has gone so far off the rails and my brain is just... What, what were your initial thoughts about this match, Mags? One thing I actually found interesting, uh, and maybe it's me kind of overanalyzing this, but it was the entrances. Um, they kind of almost correlate to these wrestlers' careers in WWE. So you had Farouk who got... Essentially, the jobber entrance, but he got his his, his music. Uh, then you had Austin, who had the only uninterrupted entrance, obviously the biggest star. Uh, Jesse James came out uh, singing and then was attacked, uh, which kind of puts him in that uh, that uh, that middle position. And then Savio Vega comes out to absolutely no music whatsoever, uh, being the the star jobber that he is. I just thought it was a an interesting kind of correlation to how uh, they would be portrayed in the company, but. I thought this was it was so much fun. This whole episode of 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 Raw for me has has made watching six months of of absolute dire dog shit wrestling 
it's made it worth it because I really, really enjoyed this episode. The match was, uh, it was a clusterfuck. It was an absolute clusterfuck uh, to the point where um, we see Bret Hart and um, and Earl Hebner kind of almost switching roles to what we'll see in about a year or so to come uh, with uh, with uh, uh, Bret switching places. Uh, then, for uh, a weird reason, we end with with um, Ahmed Johnson chasing off uh, Farouk. Yeah, it made absolutely no sense in the in the in in the world in terms of the wrestling. Uh, did really good for 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 kind of continuing the storylines. But yeah, it was just fun. It was just fun to watch. I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, it definitely was an interesting setup. It was an interesting premise on how everything went down. And let's just unpack that a little bit because when we did get Jesse James coming out singing his usual normal shtick. Stone Cold comes in with the sucker punch attack, which then triggers Savio <laughs> Vega coming out to basically rescue his tag team partner and have his back. And then later on in the match, we get um, a second sneaky attack on Jesse James by Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. which then brings out Bret Hart. Then we cut to commercial. And as we go to commercial, Bret Hart's going, let me take his place. Let me take his place. And Earl Hebner finally agrees. So when we come back from commercial, Jesse James is gone for to points unknown. I don't know. And now Bret Hart is out there in tennis shoes and blue jeans to have the match. But for the most part of the match, can't seem to get in and get the tag from Savio Vega whatsoever. Mm. So it... While the match in and of itself, the uh, uh, let's break it down into two parts here. There's the initial match with the, mm. with the initial setup with Jesse James, and then there's the second half of the match, which Jesse James is gone, and now there's Bret Hart. The first half of the match felt completely and utterly pointless, other than mm-hmm. to get Bret Hart out there to continue his shtick with Stone Cold. And then once we get Bret Hart out there, it makes a little bit more sense. And I think flows a little bit better. There was the long-awaited hot tag. And then we'll talk about what happened after later. What What are your thoughts on all this, Danny? It was, uh, as you said, a cluster. I mean, but... It was it was it was quite fun, like a little uh, mixed tag match, like that you wouldn't see. Um, I did like that Bret Hart was uh, showing backstage uh, watching the television in that weird angle because um, we haven't seen that for a couple of weeks. But yeah, overall, it was it was a it was a fun mess, I would say. What did you think, Tanner? Yeah, I mean, this match was was a bit uh, <laughs> it was a it was a bit wild. I suppose, you know, Brett, Brett coming in, I thought was, was an interesting touch too. Cause that continues, you know, the, the, the Austin Brett Hart kind of angles that, that we've come to know and love. And obviously we are steamrolling our way, a barrel rolling our way into, uh, uh, 1997 where, where that will be very, uh, much more prevalent here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it keeps it new. It keeps things fresh. Uh, as much as I have been a fan of um, Shawn Michaels, uh, he and I both being from San Antonio, uh, um, I was born there and he's from there. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't help but respect <laughs> Bret Hart. He's, he's just amazing. Um, so even the fact that he wrestled in his street clothes was, it was, it was fine. Um, a, 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 
a huge improvement over Jesse James, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, and and, and yeah. kind of getting on to, to Jesse, um, he does a lot of the, the same kind of stuff in, in ring that he did as Road Dog. Uh, the kind of like the the moving and uh, the 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 jerking and the punches, yeah, the and shuffling, it, yeah, yeah, and I don't think it works in this kind of a country and western singer um, gimmick that he's got, as it does with with the 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 road dog and uh, the new age outlaws that we we see later down down uh, his career. It felt really kind of jarring to me to see him kind of uh, doing th- those same kind of moves yeah, uh, the, as, the, a, the, as a as a dusty roads kind of uh, yeah, it just uh, it felt gyrations. off. It felt yeah. off. Uh, and he was always going to be the fall guy in this in this match. And I, I do like the fact that we're still seeing Brett uh, juggling all these storylines at, at once. Uh, he's obviously got this stuff with uh, with this simmering over with Austin, then the the show Michael stuff, which we'll get into later on in the show, and then still got one eye on the on that title uh, title scene with uh, with Psycho Sid. So yeah, he's got a lot of uh, balls in the air at, at one time. Plus, he's going through this kind of like slow build uh, heel turn, which uh, it uh, ends up being one of the more interesting parts of his career. So yeah, it's. Um, it's uh, good to see Brett in in this kind of role for 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 WWF. Definitely. So, go, getting to the end of the match, um, we finally get the hot tag to Hart, and he comes in and starts cleaning house. Stone Cold attempts to get the sneak attack on him in the ring as he's beating on Farouk and. He just starts alternating attacks. Finally, Austin slips out of the ropes and to me seemed to disappear. Or it could be that they just did put a really good focus on what was happening in the ring. They edited Mm -hmm. it or shot it very smartly uh, because all of a sudden out of nowhere, Crush comes in, attacks Hart, which triggers an attack from uh, Stone Cold, who come, who magically reappears, uh, Farouk. Everybody's beaten in on um, Bret Hart, and then out of nowhere comes Ahmed Johnson and a two by four, and just clears the ring. That that for me was was good. It, it, it makes Ahmed Johnson look like a, a big deal, and obviously he's got issue with Farouk. But I couldn't get past his pants. What the fucking Gosh. hell were those pants about? 1996. They were awful. Skin tight, stripy clown pants. He looked an idiot. We all <laughs> look like idiots in 96, Mags. Let's be honest about how, it. How rude. How rude. Yeah, I was just a child. You know, you're just going to make fun of a child? <laughs> I was a child. <laughs> I was five. I was a freshman in high school. I look like an idiot. I know what I look like. <laughs> Did you wear strappy clown pants? Skin, not no. even, not even pants. They are yoga pants. They are, they are yoga pants. You could see all of Ahmed Johnson. Oh, you, you saw Ahmed Ahmed's and Johnson. Johnson. Is that yeah, what you're you telling me? Ahmed Johnson. That's shout. Here's shout back to the episodes where we saw all of his junk in those very loose fitting uh, uh, spandex he had on. This time it wasn't loose fitted. It was very, very tight fitted. Here's the thing that gets me. All the twig and berries. Here's the thing that gets me. As somebody who typically notices and points out these small minor details, I miss that completely. So why are you spending so much of your focus on Ahmed's Johnson and his pants? 
because he he's a big chap. <laughs> it makes me feel feel small. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, he had a massive two by four and a piece of wood as well. What was <laughs> Oh god, where did my drink go? Well, he did get his catchphrase. Come on, that that is taking off. He did that. Yeah, that is taking off like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I hate to say it, but sometimes the WWF, even current WWE audience, will pick up on these small things and just run with them. I mean, look at how catch these hands took off. That was just a one-off line that was never supposed to go anywhere. And so sometimes things that get picked up very easily by the audience can be a lot of fun, you know, and it's sometimes surprising what will catch on with a live audience. And because of the way we react as the audience, it then catches on to those of us at home and becomes a whole thing, Mm. you know, because we we've talked about how big Austin 316 was. But even in the shows that we've looked at, we're on what show 35 we were on show number one when we got Austin 316 and we have heard nothing about it since then. But we have heard you're going down. Mm. 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 Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. The I guess the alcohol had kicked in. I was like, who, who said that? Jeez. Clown pants. Uh, <laughs> Johnson said. I got it. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. But yeah, so it's it's interesting what things that a, a live audience will pick up and latch on to. And that's obviously something that really has. So. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, Podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, let's move right along to our next match, which is Flash Funk and the Funkettes versus Hunter Hurst. Hunter? It's Triple H. Yeah. It's Triple H. That, that she, she's only had one shot for. You know, the, the, yeah, like there's only one person. shot in this cup, and I'm not even halfway through it yet. You That's know, the, the problem. The, the I'm, game, telling, I'm telling you, you I don't know. drink. I'm not like I don't have my own whiskey tasting show where I just sit here and sip through different whiskeys and discuss if they yeah. taste like peat or or whatever. Coming to uh, <laughs> as Tanner soon. takes a glug straight from the bottle. But this is, since you have been um, noticeably absent from us, Tanner, this is your fa- first look at Flash Funk, correct? Yeah. What are, what are your, th- I want to know what your thoughts are straight off, off the cuff. Yeah, he's a super funky fellow, you know, Flash Funk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he had a, look, it's too cold Scorpio, right? Like, he, <laughs> uh, if you've seen a too cold Scorpio match, you, you know, you know what you're getting into um but yeah interesting uh character here mr flash funk uh and the uh the funkettes as you put it um he actually gave triple h a, a fairly competitive match <laughs> it seems like you know triple h is kind of reeling at points um but uh yeah i, I don't know it, it just <sighs> I guess Flash Funk for me, 
<laughs> it's just it's it's again a, a sign of the times as far as the the you know the characters are concerned. Kind of like you know Ahmed Johnson's pants were a sign of the times. Um, it was a sign of something. Yeah, apparently, according to Mags. Yeah. <laughs> well, to attention. <laughs> Do we have your attention now? <laughs> yikes. Um, so much yikes. Uh, yeah. No, no down. Yeah. Flash Funk is, he's kind of, um, there's not, not too many people of his skill set in WWF at this time. Mm-hmm. So he does bring something quite different than what you're what what you would normally see from, from the majority of that roster. Yes, the character is <laughs> Pretty ridiculous, but at the same time, I, I find him enjoyable, Flash Funk. Yeah, I could do without those boots, but... Uh, you know, it's the worst. It's not the worst thing. I, I don't care for the boots, Mags. I'm sorry. I mean, we, we've watched shows with the goon who has... <laughs> I didn't care for those boots either. Looking at askets. What, what, about, think... what about the, the, the times where we've watched that, that plumber wrestle? Uh, or... I don't care for his pants, neither. Well, he, <laughs> or his he was, ass. Yeah, he no, was hardly wearing them because his ass was hanging out most of the time. Um, <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, like you know, we've we've had so many weird characters. I I, I don't I don't see how Flash Funk <laughs> is anywhere near the level. Of <laughs> he, offensive. he doesn't. He doesn't I don't hit like the, the top boots. layer. That's all it is. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he has an amazing move set. The stuff yeah. that he's able to pull off, especially in. This current day and age is not stuff that we normally see from the wrestlers that, you know, on the roster that we have now. Mm-hmm. So it makes him different and interesting. I just don't like, stylistically, I don't like the boots. That's it. Yeah, and, and what's actually really cool about um, Scorpio Flash Funk is that as we record this uh, in the middle of January, he's just had a, a title match for the Ring of Honor title on a, on a GCW pay-per-view against Jonathan Gresham. And he was outstanding in that match yeah. some 25 years later, and he still absolutely mm-hmm. got it. Um, I, I really enjoyed this match. I really, really did. Uh, another um, another shenanigans finish. Uh, I don't particularly uh, like the, the way that we're going with Jerry Lawler and Goldust, and I've made that abundantly clear. It's so reminiscent of the of the 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 shit in the bed that we had with him and and uh, and uh, Jake Roberts. I don't like the whole kind of uh, calling gold uh, gold uh, good dust uh, not a real man. All that kind of uh, playing off his uh, off his sexuality and, and the ambiguity there. It does nothing for me. But this match was it was fun. Flash Funk was uh, as Tanner said a breath of fresh air in this uh, in this era of WWF. Uh, really gets a good match out of uh, out of Hunter, and it's the it's the 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 Jerry Lawler stuff that ruins it for me. Um, the the way he's kind of goading Goldust to to get to that uh, that screwy finish uh, didn't need that, I don't think. Um, but we know that it's building to uh, uh, Jerry uh, versus uh, Goldust later in the show, and then Goldust versus Triple H at Royal uh, at Rumble. So all the pieces make sense. It's just that. For me, they didn't work, uh, but the match was still hilariously fun. I loved it. It's definitely one of those things you really have to take into context for the time. You know, we can all look back and agree that it's absolutely horrible now, and it doesn't make it right. Um, but contextually, I mean, we're still pretty much at the height of the AIDS pandemic, you know, the, the age of... 
rampant homophobia and homosexuality is bad, which is, you know, I'm so glad that in 25 years we've come so much farther than where we were. And, you know, when you have a character like Gold Dust, whose sexuality is questioned, it makes it, sadly, it makes it easy for those types of comments and jokes to be made, <laughs> you know, for, for the heel. And like I said, it doesn't make it right, but it's very, it was very much, that's how things were. Yeah, holding the mirror day. up to the world. I, 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 I yeah. get, I get that they're playing off uh, the the mindset of of the world in 1996. It just, it felt uncomfortable then, and now as we have kind of grown as a society, it feels even more uncomfortable to to go back 25 years later and and and, and watch it again. So. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't care for it. I know why it's there, but yeah. it's, it's not It's not for me. I, I, I get it, and I'm completely there with you. But at the same time, I'm the type of person that when it comes to things of that's how it was in that day, I think it's good to look at it for two reasons. One, to appreciate how far we've come. And two, to remember our history so that we don't go back and start all over because those I'm firmly a believer in those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, things like that have their place in time and they have their purpose as crappy as they are. Um, Well, moreover to that point too, is I think it, it, um, for for, in total agreement with everything that you're saying here, Ori, I think it also adds, a um i th- i think there's something about the what what Dustin Rhodes did with that character and and the rationale for it was was always to be provocative and sure. and, and was to and was to start a conversation right for better or for worse um you know <laughs> like he obviously got a lot of grief <laughs> from a lot of people about you know that character and how it was betrayed uh portrayed and how you know the kind of things that he would do to to rile up the the fans whether it was rubbing all over Razor Ramon's chest or you know some of the the like the the jokes or or things that he would say right um so it it in one standpoint yes it is a reflection of a, of like Amir's reflection on society at that point in a snapshot uh, uh, in time of what society was like and how unaccepting those kind of, um, uh, you know, lifestyles and, and, and that, and, and, and to be someone like gold dust was, um, but also it was, it was just, it's just this extra nuance, this extra sense of, of, of genius that Dustin Rhodes had to uh, portray and, and to be able to, you know, not only just portray himself as gold dust, but also that more or less the envelope. Yeah, push the envelope to start these conversations to make people feel uncomfortable. You right. know, like because you know, it would be in, very in a business quick- sense. It that's what I mean. You're getting people to talk, right? Yeah, because it would be really easy with a character like Gold Dust, and I'm speaking on Gold Dust as a character being ambiguous, being potentially homosexual. Uh, to very much demonize that character, even when he is playing a heel. But I think um, 
the WWF, maybe not as a whole, but in some part, and Dustin Rhodes, I think they were very careful about that because there were things that he did that we all think of as very stereotypically gay. And there were things that were very questioning. And I think it definitely opened that conversation of what we perceive as quote unquote gay. Mm. And it, it kind of ma- it kind of forced us to look beyond our own stereotypes, because mm. if you talk about Goldust as a character nowadays, I think he is much more beloved than, you know, and praised than what we would, rem- you know, what we would think would happen from 1996. And so I think it's it's a really it's a really cool thing to look back at now you know, like I said, to see how far we've come and to appreciate the the doors that were open for people like Nyla Rose and Sonny Kiss, you know, and others who have come nowadays who can be openly gay, trans, non-binary, you know, Effie is another great example, without it being a demonized thing, without it, I mean... Effie, I haven't seen a lot of Effie, but Effie, it does kind of seem to be all of his in-ring persona. But, you know, it's not... He's all about the bossy. Right. So, but it's not a demonized thing. It's not something that's looked down upon. It's something you can openly be without it being a huge criticism. And Mm -hmm. so I think if we would not have had Dustin Rhodes as Goldust in this time and place, that we... Like, I'm not going to credit him for all of society being open about it, but, you know, I don't think we would be as comfortable with it in professional wrestling nowadays as we, you know, as we are. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, WWF uh, tend to go for low-hanging fruit. Um, it's 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 the, the easy way of booking, but... And they could have easily done this with with Gold Goldust, and at the beginning of his uh, of his uh, run as as uh, as Goldust, they did go with that. He was the the heel. He was kind of like uh, demonized, but as his character grew um, throughout the years, they, he he went through a, a huge transformation in in terms of um, uh, fan popularity uh, and really kind of pushing, like I said, pushing that that envelope and uh, really breaking the mold of what people thought about uh, homosexuality. Uh, and we give WF a lot of grief for, for, for the, the stuff they get wrong. And we sometimes don't always give them uh, the praise that they, they deserve when they get things right. And I think this kind of uh, career trajectory of, of Goldust is, is something that, that they did do right. It really kind of opened people's eyes to how, uh, homosexuality and how uh, androgyny was perceived in, in mainstream media. And I think they did a real good job of that. Exactly. So let's get into the match in and of itself. Of course, we had Flash Funk come out uh, first. And then after he comes out, Goldust Music hits and him and Marlena come to quote unquote sit ringside. They were not ringside. Mm-hmm. They were much farther up but i think that lent itself to the match i thought that was much better to have them um if you think of an arena like a bowl they were not on the floor they were on the first uh elevation up and they had a gold spotlight on them they were 
part of the match without taking over the match, if that yeah. makes sense. I mean, um, when when Danny and I covered last week's episode, they, they were it was pretty a similar uh, position that they were in uh, there. And I think it makes sense. They were in the camera eye uh, uh, for, for, the, for the hard cam, but they weren't front and centre, uh, which um, to me doesn't take away from the match, but it also keeps them... Uh, keeps them in the storyline uh, right. without the camera having to pan to them all the time. I thought it was a, a good move for them to, to be in the position that they were in. Yeah, and I would love to see them do stuff like this when they put other wrestlers uh, in the audience more often. I'm sure they can't because, of course, right now we have the global panini that we're all living in, A. And B, you know, there's security concerns there, which they did have security nearby. But I think with a lot of the superstars today, it would potentially be more of a security issue. But I think it it lent itself very well um, the way they did it here to the match. And then, of course, Triple uh, tri- Hunter Hurst Helmsley comes out after. Oh, I'm a little over half through this drink. Ooh. Um, and King, midway through the match, I mean, he's mouthing off towards Gold Dust the entire time on commentary. But then he finally decides to get up and he's going to go confront gold dust as to why he's in the match he grabs a mic he starts heading to uh, the guardrail closest to where um, gold dust and marlena are and triple h hits funk with the belt because earl hebner is of course trying to pull king away from the guardrail to keep him from going over triple h takes advantage of that fact surprise surprise that's kind of cornerstone for no matter what character he's trying to portray um and then ultimately gets the win over Flash Funk, who, of course, takes exception to this. Um, then, like, partial insanity goes from there. But I think it was a good setup for what happened later on in the night. Mm-hmm. So Goldust chases King backstage. Triple H comes from behind to attack Goldust. Funk actually attached Triple H instead, brings him back to the ring, and then hits him with his special move, of which the name I could not remember whatsoever. No, it, it, it did hit him with the 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 uh, the the four fifty leg drop. It was just a, I think it was just a standard four fifty splash. For the Either way, ball. it looked really good. Yeah, absolutely did. Great, it, great way to for for Flash Funk to get his flowers. Um, I thought it was a uh, yeah, it was um, a great. A great 450 splash, really nailed Triple H. It really was. And I thought it was a great ending to the match, even though there was some shenanigans. I felt like in this case, because of the match we're having later on this evening, the shenanigans were somewhat warranted and went over fairly well. Does that you know? Are we are we all on the same page with that, Danny? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was just uh, it was a good TV match, but um, I, I liked how you uh, explained that. Um, yeah, it, I, I was actually hoping that the King would run off like he did last week. Um, he actually ran off during the first match and then never came back. I was hoping so we <laughs> wouldn't have to listen to these terrible jokes um he made six references to uh goldust uh, during this but um yeah uh, it was just a it was just there for me just a good tv match but screwy finish mm. tanner 
Yeah, I mean, there just seemed to be just a lot going on through throughout the whole match with with King's involvement and Gold Dust and everything like that. I, I would have liked more attention um, on you know on a Hearst Humbly and Flash Funk uh, personally. You know, you you could have easily split the segments up a little bit, or maybe just not do such you know. <laughs> such a terrible job with the first match and just do Bret Hart in his street clothes with Savio Vega uh, versus Steve Austin Farouk. I mean, you could have you could have chopped and changed this to where it's not all just a mess going on. Yeah, there were some spots that were definitely a little clunky. It may have been reorganized just a little better. Um, but yeah, this was kind of a shenanigans type. If I hear one more person say the word shenanigans um it, there's only you saying the word i know you said it about 45 <laughs> times <laughs> it's a fun word shenanigans <laughs> hey farvo what's the name of that restaurant you like oh shenanigans <laughs> that would be me i would be that idiot anyway so but yeah good decent match i will agree with tanner there were and i think the thing that was most distracting was not gold dusk and, and marlena and panning over to them it was king yeah. It was King on commentary that was most distracting from this match. But the match in and of itself was good. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. And then we get a few quick backstage words from Shawn Michaels. We go to commercial. We come back. JR has mysteriously appeared in the ring, introduces Shawn Michaels. Very mysterious. Well, we haven't seen or heard from him this whole episode. So, I mean, it, 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 I, it, I would have loved for it to be like how he's been over the last few weeks where he's essentially pushed Vince out of the way to get to these interview spots. Um, yeah, that that would have been fun. But yeah, this for me was the best part of the show. Absolutely mm. loved this interview. Uh, this, uh, if if anything that we've watched over this last six months uh, has, has shown uh, the WF going into the, the, the Attitude Era, it was this interview. It felt so real so there were genuine beef we were we were peeking backstage to some issues that were going on between these two with this interview i thought it was superbly done it was something i i, I don't know if i was that into it but yeah, it was oh, definitely something. oh i certainly was the, the thing that was. caught me the most about it was brett's mike getting the jr treatment mm-hmm. you know which was quite distracting but Brett calls, you know, JR initially tries to start the conversation with Shawn Michaels. And Shawn's like, no, I would never. That's the best there is, the best there was, the best there will ever be. I wouldn't dare take the time of the role model first. I was like, geez, man. And then, of course, Brett Hart starts talking about, oh, my kids cheered for you. You're but you did that that uh, issue of Playgirl, and you're not a role model. You're classless and disgust, disgusting. And I don't even think girls read Playgirl. And I was like, oh, here we go. We're going to throw that out there. I know I know one man who, who reads uh, Playgirl, Vince McMahon. He probably had that <laughs> issue. <laughs> he had, a, he had it blown up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I really like that title placement, Sean. That's great. That's great. <laughs> but, but what about if you just moved it up up six or seven inches? Oh, geez. it's not a picture. What's dropping that title up, Sean? Because it's certainly not your hands. <laughs> Let's be real. It's cold in that room, so maybe it's three three inches. Oh my god! I mean, the the, the <laughs> commentary from Vince McMahon during Shawn Michaels' entrance was. I don't know how to describe it. It was oh my like god! A, he gives me such a boner. Yeah, it, it was basically that. But he mentioned one line that really, it was like he said, he, he said, "Can you believe Shawn Michaels has a pierced navel of all things?" Now, I had to Google what a pierced navel is. A pierced belly button. Yeah, I didn't but Batista had one too, and I don't remember anybody ever commenting did, on did that. He, did Did Batista have a pierced belly button, or did he just have that outrageous sun tattoo? He had a nose piercing. He had a nose. He had a nose piercing. Yeah. I swear he had a belly button. Yeah, he had that. We had the weird like sun, but like the belly button was the mouth of of yeah. the sun. It yeah, was, was and it crazy. wasn't quite filled in into the belly button, but that just all wow. seems like a very delicate place to tattoo. Mm. No, the thank other you. thing was, Shawn Michaels was wearing trousers. How was Vince McMahon know that he had a pierced na- navel? He perused that copy of Playgirl with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> he had a magnifying glass out and was studying every last pore. I, I know Sean very well. Yeah, bitch, you do, I boy. pierced that navel myself. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. In more ways than one. <laughs> you yeah, went like no. Gimli there at the end. <laughs> you, oh. you went from Vince McMahon to, to Gimli. This and my the, axe. This is going to end up the string. Good God. Uh, no, I, I really did like this uh, interview. Um, again, it's, it it kind of gives you a glimpse of the, the actual hostilities that these two had backstage I mean you you've got uh, Brett saying you let my family you let my kids down you promised that you'd hold the title in, in esteem uh, and then you did the playboy stuff you uh you haven't learned anything from Jose Lothario he's a man who knows how to apologize for his actions you don't and then we get Sean on 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 the mark and we just didn't get enough of Sean giving him shit back because he's he starts and you think, oh, this is going to be good. And he's saying, um, I've been with you on the road. I know you are not the the, the clean-cut person that you uh, portray, uh, portray to be. That's fact number one. And then out comes um, Sid. And that kind of is the end of the, the, the grief between the two. And you, you know that there's more coming down the line and it's like a real teaser, but I actually really enjoyed Sid coming out. Then Sid saying, uh, I played the game with you uh, and I beat you. I played the game with you and I beat you. What I want is some competition. And then we hear the bong. Oh my God. I actually, I forgot that this even happened and I got goose pimples. It was such a really well done uh, uh uh, face off between um, between Sid and uh, Taker. Obviously, the match is going to shit the bed because Sid is not a good wrestler. But the <laughs> the four of the the two biggest stars in the company uh, facing off, Vader getting involved. Yeah, it makes sense because of the stuff coming up with uh, with Bret Hart and, and him. But yeah, I just thought that this is WWF finally stepping into the Attitude Era where we're getting reality. Uh, instead of 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 characters, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really well done interview. 
I mean, I really liked when Sid stepped out and he's like, both of y'all are doing an awful lot of talking about my title. And I was mm-hmm. like, that that made all of their comments make so much more sense to me. And it gave it this sense of cohesion because I think if Sid hadn't have walked out there, I mean, it was literally Cena and Rock where CM Punk was the champion all over again. Like y'all are talking a whole lot of, I've got beaten both of y'all, but you know, y'all are doing a whole lot of talk about my title, something that y'all don't even have. I have it and I've faced both y'all and I'm the master and the commander of the world. And then of course we get the undertaker bong and the lights go out. Taker comes out. I did like that. He didn't just appear. I like that. The lights went out, came back up and then he walked to the ring. But yeah, that to me, Sid and Undertaker, despite the good words thrown back and forth between Sean and Brett, that was the better part of this segment mm-hmm. for me. It kind of made it for me. And then, of course, we had Shawn Michaels and Sid kind of, was it Shawn Mi- Why do I have a note that says Shawn Michaels and Sid lock up? No, the Shawn Michaels leaps over the the top ropes to to kind of land on Sid, and then they start brawling uh, oh, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. kind of end that that segment. Uh, but yeah, because obviously they're leading into the, his match uh, at, at, at uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, I think Brett saw, uh, was one of the first people to confirm he'll be in the Rumble match, uh, and mm. then he's obviously I think he's got Vader on next week's episode of Raw. Um, so all all the pieces uh, are in play and make sense, but. Yeah, for me that that uh, that standing out to between Taker uh, and 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 Psycho said, um, wrestling skill aside, they look like legitimate world wrestling federation champions. I mean, Sid looks like he's absolutely carved out of granite. That belt fits him perfectly, um, and yeah, that that match of of, uh, of Taker versus Sid is back in nineteen ninety six. That was a dream a dream match for a WWF fan. Yeah, that's going to be, that's now's Lashley versus Lesnar, mm-hmm. which yeah, I've wanted definitely. to see for years. Mm-hmm. So, um, any final thoughts on this, Tanner, before we move along? It's good. It's good. <laughs> good stuff. Glad you approve. <laughs> All right, so we go to commercial and then we come back and then we have a fire alarm. Yes. Everybody evacuated the arena, and uh, you know, the apparently one had to of my down. children are cooking something. Yeah. <laughs> our so our fire alarms, our smoke detectors are so freaking sensitive; it's ridiculous. Oh, same um, here. Like I, I put something in the oven the other day, and the the smoke alarm went off, and I was like, "What the hell?" Like, yeah, this is not even. I think about making a slice of toast, and the the fire alarm warns me to not do so. <laughs> <laughs> So we come back from commercial. We have a whole new lineup or maybe new co-conspirators at the commentary desk. Uh, Of course, Vince is still there. But then we have Hunter Hearst Helmsley, which makes sense because this is the matchup between King and Goldust. But then we also have the Honky Tonk Man. Mm. The greatest intercontinental champion of all time. I'm like, I'm not... I'm not debating that. I, it's not an intercontinental match. We haven't seen or heard from Honky Tonk Man in this entire run of 1996, unless it was somewhere in the last two episodes I missed. Uh, and apparently he's scouting talent. He is, which will lead to one of the greatest storylines of all time. Um, Road Dog 
Jesse James taking on uh, Billy Gunn uh, for the 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 rats to be managed by Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, so okay. I'm going to trust you on that one. Storyline. I'm I'm going to trust you on that. It, that it that makes sense. It does lead to the New Age Outlaws, which so there is there is some uh, silver in those clouds, but it's 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 not fun. All right. So we get both people out. They start locking up. The, the beginning of this match was, it was fine. It was great. It was nothing to write home about. It was just a typical WWF match until Triple H decides to go take a closer look, goes across the ring, grabs Marlena, throws her over his shoulder and turns to leave and then is in, intercepted by Mark Merrow, who comes out. Goldust leaves the ring to go after Triple H, who has Marlena. Triple H throws Marlena at Marrow, who catches her perfectly bridal style, and then senses Goldust coming at him, sidesteps it and pushes him back, and then Goldust ends up actually hitting Marlena and Mark Marrow, to which they continuously tell us that Marlena is injured. Um, from there... Triple H starts his attack on Goldust. Marrow tries to step in. And then again, we have the alternating attacks of Triple H onto Mark Marrow and Goldust. And then that's kind of the end of the show. King basically wins by countout. More shenanigans. <laughs> um, I mean, why ruin an episode? All three matches have, have ended with, with shenanigans. Mm. Um, I do like that Triple H comes out looking strong in this. I think uh, his run as RC champion, uh, he's looked pretty weak. Uh, he he's tends to either lose his matches or, or, or win via uh, shenanigans. But uh, in, in this one, he... He's the the one standing tall at the end of the show. I don't know if uh, if kidnap and potential sexual assault is the way to go, um, but it is what it is. People, if you're in a wrestling arena, it seems all crimes are are legal. It's it's essentially the purge. So he's allowed to kidnap and and potentially sexually assault somebody, and it's fair game. Anything can happen in the WWF. <laughs> Brilliant. Well done, Danny. Well done. <laughs> well done. By God. Danny had the perfect setup and just <laughs> ran with it. That was excellent, my friend. What What are your thoughts, Tanner? Yeah, I mean, did, did this all need to happen? Did 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 we need did we need any of this? I, I, they have three minutes to fill. <laughs> I mean, you could you could do so much more, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, this was <laughs> Meg it's, summed it's it up perfectly, and and so did Danny. Like this was just this was three minutes of just episode. yeah, this is just three minutes of uh, of of nonsense, and and that's and that's how we end nineteen ninety six. Just as uh, you know, just as it sums up the whole year perfectly, nineteen ninety six, nonsense. This, this was this was nonsense. But at the same time, I mean, I think we can all look back and go, okay, yeah, this is setting up for some potentially really good stuff. We know the good stuff is coming, and at some point, at some point, with <laughs> hopefully within the next year. Oh, yeah. definitely within the next year. 1997 is a good year. Early 1997, maybe not. 
Which yeah. means yeah. Mags is making us slog through six months to a year worth of shit. Listen, I regret it bitterly. Sorry. I just, yeah. I, what, was you had nobody... into, I was you sucked had... into the WWF mindset that Austin wins the King of the Ring and it's, it's all and go it's... from there. I forgot that it wasn't. And you have <laughs> no one to blame time. but yourself. Yeah. This is a listen. If I point out with it, use a point out with it as well. Yeah, this is a this is a a a four years project here that's going to really you know kick on from from here maybe two years of good at some point. Yeah. (laughs) So, any final thoughts on this show aside from the fact we're glad we're done with 1996? Uh well th- this show that I'm watching right now the the Bucks are up seventeen nothing to the Philadelphia Eagles wow. <laughs> is that the one that you're talking about no no oh this, okay this specific show um, the, the Raw that we're covering well, okay. I enjoyed it um and we've had some slogs through through 1996 uh we've had some horrific wrestling we've had some horrific storylines this was a f- it it was daft it. A lot of the matches didn't make sense. The finishes were were screwed, but it was fun, and that's what yeah. wrestling should be. I enjoyed watching this episode. Side. I agree. Side. I agree, and I feel like the wrestling was actually, you know, what wrestling we did see was actually good. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't the t- horrific, terrible things that we've seen in some past weeks. It was actually some good wrestling. It just didn't end the way we would normally like to see them end. Mm-hmm. So I think if you swapped um, the last segment and the previous segment before that around, I think this would have been a perfect raw. Oh, perfect is a stretch. That's a strong word there, my friend. I mean, you do actually make sense. If you finish the show with that square off between Sid and Undertaker, mm. that builds a lot. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, perfect. I mean, <laughs> it would have been a better. It yeah. would have been. Yeah. Hell it would better. have been better. It, it would have given you a lot to anticipate and look forward to in 1997 for sure. I, I, I can, I can agree with what Danny's saying. The, yeah, the, I think the only issue I would maybe have then would be you're going from a Hunter versus Flash Funk match straight into the Goldust versus Jerry Lawler match. That whole kind of middle segment would have to flow as essentially as one segment rather than two. Um, Well, I mean, that in continuity, that could make sense. But also at the same time, I think that, uh, I mean, do you need to have, do we need to revisit Goldust and Jerry Lawler for for no reason at all? Did we ever? No. Did we exactly. ever? Exactly. You know, like, could, couldn't you I mean, just have Sean? I mean, because we know Jerry's and, and... probably already at ringside in oh. his clothes right. and has his tights on underneath he his looks, pants. I mean, he lives in those. Yeah. And, so, and at the end of that out? segment, yeah. Goldust chased him backstage. And that was the whole purpose of that whole thing was to get King from commentary to backstage so that he could come out for his match. There was plenty enough time to run him backstage, strip mm. off the dress pants, throw on the wrestling boots, and get him out there. It, it was mm. easily done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I don't know. You could have done. You could. You could have just bypassed all that and just had three more minutes of, you know, Sean, Brett, Vader, Taker, mm-hmm. and Sid. Mm. Uh, a brawl, a three-minute brawl with all all the major players. That would have been yeah. fun. Yeah, that would have worked too. 
So, but instead, we got kidnap and sexual assault. Potential, (laughs) potential. Lord have mercy. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of A Change in Attitude and this episode of Raw for December 30th, 1996. Um, Next week will be January 6th. 6th of 1997, which I'm assuming, considering my notes, will be season four, episode 52. And we get Tanner's favorite tag team, Fake Diesel and Fake Razor, rolling oh, into 997. Oh. <sighs> yeah, this is uh, this has gone on way longer than... Mm. <laughs> ever, ever, I mean, it ever needed to a, a ever second, should have had a chance to a second appearance was too long yeah. <laughs> agreed so let's give out some socials and get the heck out of here danny where can the lovely people find you my friend well you can find me on twitter at scottish juggalo i may not sound scottish but i am uh and where i just post various clips of wrestling and things like that that's the only really social media i do and uh i'll be starting a show uh, soon with chris bell it's called one man's meat podcast uh so look out for that in the future Thank you. Where, where nice. they focus on the the, the Playgirl magazine. One man's meat. Yeah, there you go. Yikes. <laughs> Tanner, where can Jeez. we find you, my good friend? I'm still trying to get over what what Max said. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you can you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Texas Gentleman underscore uh, because uh, yeah, that's where I'm at on on Twitter. That's that's me. Um, you can also find uh, more more content uh, with with me over on Radio Techers, where uh, myself, uh, Mags, uh, Ori, um, and, and a whole cast and crew of other misfits create uh, interesting content about football, about MMA, about pro wrestling, and and really just about anything else that you can come up with off the top of your head. Uh, so yeah, go go and check that stuff out. It's R A D I O T E K K E R S. Go and uh, hit hit the subscribe button because that's that's what you do when you when you like somebody's content. Yeah, just hit the subscribe button. <laughs> I've missed you, Tanner. <laughs> I really have. <laughs> well, I've missed you guys too. <laughs> oh, good. Mags, where can we find you? So you can find me on the Twitters at. Podfather Max, where I am officially a real genuine lord. I'm also heavily uh, involved in, in pretty much everything uh, on Radio Techers with uh, with uh, Tanner here and, and Matt Willis and the whole crazy gang over there. I'm also here on Chairshot with uh, Badlands with uh, Paul Tolly and Ray Cash. Um, so come and uh, check that out. Five rounds as well, all over the shop, doing uh, doing great numbers. So yeah, you can uh, find links to all my contents on my Twitter feed. So come and give me a follow. All right. And as for myself, Ori the Draw, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Ori the Draw. See my random postings and gameplay. I talk about wrestling. I talk about Marvel, probably way too much. And other just random things going on in my life and in the world. So you can follow me in those places. Well, that's going to do for... uh, Yep, the alcohol's kicking in, kids. Woo! Telling y'all I don't drink. Mm. And I chug like that last third when, when things got nuts. So... 
That's going to do it for us here at A Change in Attitude. We hope to see you next week here on the Chairshot Radio Network. And don't forget to always use your head. And definitely buy a t-shirt. Bye-bye. Yep, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chairshot. Chairshot.com. Always use your head.